Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead. Take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What's good, everybody? Welcome back to the In the Paint podcast presented by Ball is Life. We're here on episode number six. Uh, thanks for tuning in with us for all six of them. If you have, if you haven't, feel free to subscribe and like on iTunes and and uh, give us a listen. I'm sure you, there'll be a couple things you like, a couple things you may not like, and you can let us know about it whenever you see us in the gym. In today's episode we're going to start with a little football uh, as we sometimes like to do to kind of you know ease into the basketball stuff so the national championship game was last night uh, between Clemson and Alabama obviously as most of you know it was a Clemson blowout uh, 44 to 16 Trevor Lawrence the freshman quarterback went for 347 yards and three touchdowns Ronnie give me a quick little little tidbit take on what you saw in that game well Clemson won their second title in three years. Uh, he became the second true freshman to win a national title. Ironically, both true freshmen who've won a national title. The other one was Jamel Holloway from Oklahoma in 1985. They didn't start the first game, and they kind of broke it, eased into the lineup. Uh, Trevor Lawrence was, by all intents and purposes, one of the best high school prospects at the quarterback position that most people have seen in Many years of generational talents. Yeah. Uh, Jamel Holloway is a little different. He was an option quarterback, but he was a great high school player who won a one, if not the best option quarterbacks California has ever seen. He is from Southern California. Went over to play for Barry Switzer. So that's a very interesting tidbit there. And as we talk about Trevor Lawrence, he's one of those quarterbacks that you kind of mentioned um, just once in a great wild talent. We talk a little bit about Josh Rosen. I'm not even sure Josh Rosen's at his level. Well, I mean... You talk about Matt Stafford. Yeah, I saw yeah. Rosen yeah. live many times yeah. at Bosco, and then I saw Lawrence at the Elite 11 at Redonda Junior High School yeah. um, back in the spring of his senior year, and the minute he threw the football, you knew that there was something different about him. Sure. And I like like you like to say, Devin, you're, you're not um, the Bob Johnson or... or this great quarterback guru, but no, you can just see it. You yeah, can you just can tell. see it. You can just tell. The kid is six foot six. He has all the intangibles. He's got which, great hair. Yeah, he's, <laughs> he's got a great nickname. You know, so he's just a great player as he showed last night. And and you think about it, he's uh, for NFL rules, he's got to be there for two more seasons. Obviously, Dabo Sweeney loves that. But that brings us to our, our next thing, Devin. Is he going to be the player that kind of turns his tide as we talk about paying players, their rights? the rights to their images and likeness. Devin, do you think he's going to be that kind of player that turns a tide, or is he just another guy that's an example of a player who should be paid? Uh, he's going to be just another guy who's an example of a player who should be paid for what he's doing at the college level. 
but uh, there's so many there's so much red tape and so many hoops and loops that the NCAA is going to throw at any conversation surrounding paying college players that I mean I just don't see it happening. Yeah, he'll be gone before that before the conversation can even be put in front of whoever matters to make that decision. Yeah, honestly, he'll, he'll be gone. Yeah, he'll be in the NFL making money and completing passes and throwing touchdown passes and sure, you know, being a, an extremely good NFL player. But should he be the guy who turns that tide? Probably because like he doesn't clearly doesn't need two more years of college football. He could probably be the number one quarterback taken in this year's draft. This upcoming this upcoming draft. draft. Correct. Correct. He's not going to be eligible for two more drafts after that. So very interesting. I know it's great for college football. That's what's a little different about college football than college basketball. We're obviously still in the one and done area. Obviously, that's going to probably end soon. But we're you know in college football, it's different. We've had players like this. We we had the running back from Ohio State who kind of challenged it. Maurice Claret. Maurice Claret. Yep. It didn't really gain steam. So we're, we're kind of watching that, and it's very interesting as we talk about these players and what they can do, what they can't do with their with their branding, with their likeness. Uh, Cliff Kingsbury, the former Texas Tech coach, he was fired 44 days ago. Devin, talk a little bit about what's happened in the last 44 days. So Cliff Kingsbury obviously was at Texas Tech. Um, recently accepted the offensive coordinator position at USC under uh, much maligned head coach Clay Helton. And then NFL teams started calling. The G- he interviewed with, I mean, he, the Jets called, you know, started having some interest from uh, head coaching positions in the NFL, no less. Um, initially, USC tried to block those attempts and they received some... Which seemed like a bad move. Right. It, just kind of from, from a PR standpoint, yeah. seemed like a, a bad move, like they were salty and worried about whether the coach was going to bolt, and I guess I guess their initial knee jerk reaction was that was legit because that's exactly what happened today. Um, Cliff Kingsbury uh, accepted the head coaching position at with excuse me the Arizona Cardinals in the NFL. He's going to coach Josh Rosen, uh, former St. John Bosco and UCLA quarterback. Um, but that kind of shows an interesting dynamic between what college coaches are allowed. And permitted to do as opposed to a college basketball or football player uh, who would like to transfer, and the way that those things are perceived and looked at by the you know by social media or whomever is making those judgments, uh, you get a kid who leaves uh, a program mid-season uh, to transfer, and that kid is ripped apart on Twitter or by fans of the team. But you got a guy like Cliff Kingsbury, who you know, rightfully is probably getting ripped by USC fans. But people are much more acceptable, much more accepting of a coach bolting than they are a player bolting. Ron, you got any got any takes on that? Yeah, and that's the problem I have. It's a little bit ironic and a little bit contradictory. You know, we're talking about these players and their rights and what they can do, and the coaches can just do what they please. They're getting paid. He's getting. I'm sure he got paid from Texas Tech. You know, he accepted a prestigious job, a job a lot of people want. Right. And then players are saying, hey, I, I want to play for this offensive guy. Obviously, the, the spread offense, the passing offense is so important in college football, as we saw with Trevor Lawrence. In comparison to the Jamel Holloway days, he passed for like 90 yards in the in the <laughs> right. championship game when he led his team, Oklahoma, to the championship. So it's so important. These players to kind of decide where they want to go. Kingsbury is a guy who's... Looked at as he's coached a couple of NFL quarterbacks yep. at Texas Tech. Right. So if you're a high school player, you're going to make your decision, and you you're thinking I'm going to be with this guy. Now you're signing a letter of intent, or you're committing, and now he's gone. So where where does that leave you? Right. And like now I, you're waiting to see who the next offensive coordinator. Just like a 
a basketball recruiting sit is waiting to see who the next UCLA coach is going to be. Is 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 Bartle doing enough to keep the job? Uh, we're kind of. You know, I, I doubt. I doubt. I doubt. Yeah, I doubt Bartle is going to be a guy who yeah. keeps the job after the interim basis is over. Right. But, but it's the same point. These guys are in limbo. Whether it's Jake Hyman, other guys. Now Jake wants to stay there, but other recruits may want to go there. Right. Jaime or you Grant Sherfield. We don't know. Yeah, you know Grant Sherfield. Does he still want to go to UCLA? He's right. Been here. He's been looking around. So. These kids are left in limbo. They don't have as many options. They don't have, uh, you know, financial, their own financial backing. They have their parents. Whereas a Cliff Kingsbury can move and do as he wants. Yes, yeah. And he can take a job. He can I mean, move it around. And, and that's why we're continuing to see these things on social media that these kids are, quote unquote, getting screwed. Right. And Kingsbury was required, is going to be required to pay a $150,000 buyout. But I think that's going to be covered by, from everything I've read, it's going to be covered by the Cardinals. For whatever I mean, that's worth, I mean, yeah. that's that's chump change to them. That's chump change for the Cardinals, if right? Got their guy. Yeah. So, so um, I mean, now you know another coach on the outs, uh, Tom Thibodeau, from the Minnesota Timberwolves NBA, was fired after the after his team defeated the Lakers at home by twenty plus points. Kind of an interesting time to to get fired, but um, it kind of circles back into the the UCLA coaching search because uh, Fred Hoiberg has kind of uh, risen as one of the top candidates that Minnesota is is looking at and UCLA was also looking at him. So yeah. where does that leave UCLA if Hoiberg goes to Minnesota in their coaching search? Well, we talked about that a little bit in, in the paint uh, number five. So we're going to go hard in the paint on this again a little bit. You know, the UCLA regents, they were the, the boosters, the top donors, boosters, quote unquote, Guy, m- guys with lots of money. Guys that used to live with lots of money. Let's just say what it is. <laughs> they got money. They were, you know, kind of looking eyeballing Rick Pitino and the board of regents from all intents and purposes, as we've read in the Forbes uh, story and in other places, they're going to reject that. So, too, too much baggage. Yeah. You know, to, to have that, the perception of UCLA, yeah. the university, the school, the programs go in the hands of a guy with that much baggage. Good, but continue. So, you know, that, that kind of now we're, we're, Going back to the circle, we kind of mentioned uh, Hoiberg as we thought would be the top candidate, and obviously things can change. Is he going to take that job? Did, did Minnesota get rid of Thibault so they could jump on Hoiberg before UCLA? So now we're going back to Earl Watson, and yep. Devin, you had an, another suggestion, another thing that you, you thought might be, why didn't they think about this? You know, talk a little bit about that. Yeah, I mean, this, this might be a little far-fetched, but I think a guy who uh, is more than qualified, both as a player and a coach, is a guy like USC assistant Jason Hart. He's an NBA veteran, played in the league for over a decade, um, played high-level college basketball, uh, has coached high-level college basketball for multiple years. And one of the biggest things that we talked about in the last episode in regards to what the most important part of the next UCLA coach will be is the recruitment aspect of it. Jason Hart is a guy who has deep, deep ties within the Los Angeles Inland Empire, Southern California basketball community, and it's a guy who really relates to kids. But not only that, he knows the game. He's personable. Uh, he's easy to talk to, and just an all-around really good dude. I'm not sure if the whole USC UCLA thing is gonna right. is gonna stop that from happening, but I don't think it should. Like, the key is to put your program in the best position to succeed on the court. And Jason Hart's a guy who I think should get a serious look. Interesting you say that. Um, you know, he he should get a look. Uh, 
as should Earl Watson, even no, more for sure. with what we're talking about. With they the should look at a lot of people. They need to. Correct. It's got to be a wide search, and a lot of interviews be. done. Do your due diligence and make a good hire. Correct. Because it's very ironic that we talked about Jason Hart a little bit. You know, he when he was at Syracuse, he tried to get out of his letter of intent to go to UCLA because of the situation where they couldn't recruit a Lujami man who was at Santa Ana Valley. So it's kind of interesting. Santa he has a Ana bit, Valley. He has little ties there. Yeah. But it's ironic because I think we'd be talking more about Tony Bland if the, what happened with this. Former USC assistant Tony Bland. Correct. What would happen with Tony with the federal trial, uh, you know, if that doesn't take place, I think we're talking more serious about Tony potentially he, being the head. He, he would be a he was on He was on track. He was on that track where he kept rising and rising on the yeah. assistant coach ladder to associate head coach and things of that nature. Sure. To that's I mean that's how things work in, in college basketball. So that's very interesting that we're talking a little about Jason because Tony recently uh, pleaded guilty, as did Book Richardson, the yep. former Arizona coach. Right. So it's something we're going to talk about more in the future. But what we want to talk about now is we're going to go hard in the paint. Our main topic is big time high school basketball. Devin, we talk about college basketball and charter planes and flights and and that type of thing well high school basketball big time high school basketball is they're traveling across the country for some you know it's it's kind of a once in a program thing once in a 20 year thing they might have a great player like uh, uh michael porter jr and nathan hill or right. with lonzo Ch- yeah what lonzo did with chino hills but there's also some people that do it more often so we want to bring in our guest who's bishop gorman Las Vegas, Nevada head coach Grant Rice and Grant has currently had a good team and we're getting him on the line right now, Devin. Yeah, good. Hey, Devin. Coach Grant Rice, thanks for joining us on the yes. In the Paint podcast here presented by Ball is Life. So, um, I know Ronnie kind of prepped you to what we're, what we're speaking on here um, with the high school teams playing a national schedule and uh, Bishop Gorman is a, is a team who, you know, plays nationally every single year. So give us a little breakdown on why you schedule uh, nationally the way you do. Well, I think it's, uh, and and thanks for having me, guys. I'm really excited to hear you're doing a podcast. It's a great topic. Uh, You know, I think it's really important to give kids a chance to see different parts of the country and to go out and play against schools from, you know, the East Coast if you're from West Coast and vice versa if you're from East Coast or the South. And just give kids a real experience to go out and see what's out there. You know, they, they all are making their... Uh, some of the high-level guys are making their college choices, and even some of the guys that might not play basketball in, in college. Uh, it's good for them to see different parts of the country and see if, if they might be interested in going to a university out there. But I've always been about traveling as much as I can. You know, it used to be 15 years ago. It might just be driving down to California two, three, four times during the year, or maybe Arizona or bordering state. But now with all the big-time events that, uh, going on in the country, uh, it, it's a little easier and uh um, it happens a lot more often where we can get out and, and travel quite a bit to different events. Grant, this is Ronnie here. Appreciate you being on. Talk a little bit about you guys won your host Arcanian event and you wanted to go back and try to get two of those games at the Cancer Research in, in Wheeling. And you played two tough teams. You played the number one team in the country. You know, you saw McKeetra in there probably when you were there. You know, what do you think between those two teams? You know, you guys played the number one team, Lalamere, pretty close. You know, give us a little synopsis of what happened and, and your take on the top two teams, McEachern and Lalamere. Well, yeah, we, we traveled from uh, from Las Vegas to uh, Pittsburgh and then took a bus to Wheeling, West Virginia for the Cancer Research Doctor.
cancer. Just an amazing first-class event, but definitely the teams are tough there. I mean, really tough. We ran into Lalamure uh, the first night, and obviously they're ranked number one in, in, in a lot of most polls. Um, and, and just a really good team. We actually played relatively well against Lalamure and had a chance uh, down four in the fourth quarter with a couple threes that, that could have gone in, would have cut it to one. Uh, then came back the next night, you know, on, on about 20 hours rest, 22 hours rest, and played against a good, solid Gonzaga team from uh, from Washington, D.C., from the Catholic League there, probably the top league in the country. And uh, we just didn't perform quite as well uh, the next night after uh, playing against Lalamere. We, we weren't bad, and, and definitely I have to give uh, credit to uh, Gonzaga Prep because they played well. But, you know, I think we maybe were a little tired that night after traveling across the country and then going at it with the number one team in the country. So it's definitely tough. This travel is a tough thing. I think it's good and important for kids because I think it'll get them a little bit ready for college. But it's definitely not easy. As far as uh, the top teams there, yeah, I got to see both the number one and the number two ranked team. Uh, we actually, you know, got first-hand look at, at, at La Lumiere, I guess is the way you say it. I might be saying it wrong. Uh, but um, And then McGeekrin, uh, uh they both are really quality teams. I have to give it a, a slight nod to uh, – you know, La Lumiere, just because uh, I think of their size. You know, the big guys are just dominant, and their guards were solid. And anytime you can go in and play against uh, a team that's been dominant, like Montverde Academy, or Montverde Academy has been the last uh, few years, and to handle them, you know, I think you definitely deserve the number one ranking until someone takes you out. But both quality teams, I uh, got to see them both play two times, and, and really good, both top five teams in the country. Coach, I'm curious. So, um, when you go about scheduling your national schedule, do you look at your roster, see the kind of talent you have, and then base who you're going to play or what tournaments you're going to play in based off of that, whether it's you, you know, got too much youth and not enough size, or you got a real strong group this year, obviously. What, what, are, what are kind of the, the behind-the-scenes kind of things that go into that? Definitely we want to look at our roster each year and, and that kind of determines you know, how aggressive you're going to schedule. Uh, so that, that would determine about 50%. But, you know, I think a lot of the high schools, that, you know, Bishop Gordon included, you know, we're kind of to that level where even on a given year, you know, if we go out and, and do take two losses on a road trip, obviously I'm upset about it. The kids want to win. But it's all about the experience. Um, you know, for me personally, I'm not trying to win a national championship. That's never been my goal. Um, you know, it's very rare that, you know, that can happen, especially now with all the uh, – you know, I call them national schools, but, you know, the, right. the prep schools that, that have so many good players and, and are able to bring in kids from all over the place. And I'm all in support of that. That's not a negative thing. I think that's a, a good thing because, uh, you know, a lot of kids do need that structure and, and the boarding situation. But so it, it's tough for, you know, your traditional high school teams to go out there and, and compete and win a national championship. So that's never my goal. My goal is just to uh, get the kids ready, let them experience some some other parts of the country, some big-time events. And then for me personally in Nevada, is to get ready for the playoffs in the state championship here in Nevada. So, But I, I think everyone looks at their roster and kind of anticipates what they're going to have next year. You know, I actually had a couple emails, you know, from a couple of events for next year that we're thinking about going to already. So it starts quickly, and I'm just kind of trying to decide what we want to do and make sure, you know, we don't try to do too much. You know, we want to schedule a, a, a good national schedule. Uh, I hate to use that word so much, but um, I don't want to go out there and do too much and be tired. You know, a good example in 2000, uh, graduating class of 2015, we had a top 10 team in the country with, you know, two big Steven Zimmerman, uh, Chase Jeter, and then Zach Collins, who's in the NBA right now with a junior. Right. And we went out to Myrtle Beach. This would have been 
four straight games. Um, actually beat Luke Kennard in the finals and, and beat them pretty handily. And we were on a real high. We actually stayed out on the East Coast for two straight days, got some rest in Myrtle Beach, and then flew up once again to the cancer research event in, uh, in Wheeling, West Virginia. And it really wasn't a difficult flight. It was easy. But uh, we went there after playing so well for four games and ran into a hot Simeon team. Uh, who beat us pretty badly there. So, and, and, you know, we were two even teams. So I have to think that although Simeon played great, uh, they deserved the win. I have to, I, I think, you know, the travel probably did have a, a small part in that as well. So you have to be careful. It's a balance of, of being aggressive and, and having a great schedule, but you just don't want to overdo it. Remember, these are high school kids who are, you know, 18, 17, 16 years old. Yeah. Man, I wanted to follow up on that. Obviously, say you've done this many times. You've had some great teams. You know, some teams only do this once in a while, like the Rancho Christian team you guys face at the Tucanian final. They're going to play this Friday in West Memphis, Arkansas. They're playing James Wiseman in Memphis, so it's going to be a great game. Then they come back and play in their showcase the very next day, the 12th, Saturday in Southern California. You know, so, you know, that's just, wow, you know, that's wow, that's because it's crazy. They yeah. want to try to win. So, you know, talk a little bit about the scheduling um, and, and just teams that maybe haven't done it before really want to go all in when they know they're going to have a great team and they may only have that one opportunity. You know, I think, uh, and once again, I, I, I told you that, you know, I'm already getting emails and calls from events for next year. Yeah. And it, 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 it's funny because now I'm, I'm really excited when I get these emails and it sounds great. Oh, it sounds exciting to go travel across the country and play. And then, but then, you know, when you come up on the, uh, on the week of, you know, of that of that actual trip, you kind of start to second guess yourself. So, you know, I'm I'm actually right now thinking, you know, we have one more event this year where we'll travel. We'll come down to the Nike Extravaganza, and we actually scheduled uh, Santa Margarita, you know, a, a strong team from Southern California, on the Thursday night, uh, and then we're going to play Chino Hills on Saturday at the Nike Extravaganza. So, uh, I even wanted to give myself a day in between, you know, that Friday off to rest and get some shots up and stuff like that, but. Um, I think it's, you know, it's got to be a balance. You know, you don't want to overdo it. I've had years where I've just done too much, and I've had years where, you know, I think the balance was there. So, um, you know, you just have to be careful. It sounds great when, you know, you have a, a sponsored event who might be, you know, helping you out with some travel expenses and, you know, and, and some things like that. And that's amazing. It's good for the kids. Uh, but you also have to be careful just to not overdo it. Thanks, Grant. Thanks for that insight. One last question. We'll let you go. Uh, you're talking about preparing for this upcoming year, preparing for 219, and preparing for 219-220. Uh, we got this new rules with the NCAA for the viewing periods, and in June, the high school associations, you know, in conjunction with the National Federation of State High School Associations, each state has a mandated two weeks, June 21st to 23rd, and June 28th to 30th, two weekends where you can do some events. High school programs can do an events. Have you in Nevada from the NIAA heard anything about what you're capable of, what the parameters of, or what you can potentially do on those two weekends? Well, no, actually, it's a great question, Ronnie, and uh, I appreciate the question. And uh, I, I'm hoping to find out some information in the next few weeks, definitely the next month, because us high school teams, you know, we really need to plan our June. You know, it's, it's actually a natural fit, although it's, you know, it's a pretty controversial rule change, and I don't really want to get into my stance on that. But, um, you know, high school teams play in June already, so it's not a matter of, you know, whether we're going to play or not, because we're definitely going to play in June, you know, because we do every June. You know, I'm actually going to be hosting an event at Bishop Mormon High School.
again, I don't know for sure what the parameters are, what the rules are. So bottom line is, you know, we're, we're definitely going to host event in Las, an event in Las Vegas at Bishop Long High School and some other schools uh, around the city um, as well. We just don't know exactly if college coaches are going to be there. We're hoping so, and we're assuming they will. We just have to get more information on it. It seems like, um, you know, it's not really clear on what those exact parameters or rules are. So I'm hoping that in the next month we really kind of start to, uh, to figure that out. So any insight you guys get, maybe this pod, maybe this podcast can help out with uh, giving us a little information on that. Yeah, that's that's going to be the the goal eventually is to you know any information we get pass along to any viewer or any listeners who are on this podcast and uh, grant rice we appreciate your time head coach at bishop gorman high school in las vegas nevada uh great coach but uh a better guy which uh you know is, is kind of the key to his success all right coach uh talk to you soon and uh, any information we get we'll pass along to you hey thanks a lot guys really appreciate you guys having me on and uh i think it's really exciting that you guys are doing a podcast two really great minds in high school basketball working together i love it thanks okay. guys thanks sir so that's interesting, Ronnie. Um, Grant Rice is planning to host uh, an event, a summer basketball, high school basketball event, during the mandated window. mandated window, and he doesn't even know if it can be certified. Or how it's certified. Or how it's certified. The process of getting it certified. He has no clue, as you guys just heard here. Um, so we're, that, in, we're in January. Yeah, we're in January. And like you said, people like to prepare and plan. What some of these guys who instituted these new rules don't understand is people like to plan way ahead of time for the for April live events, for July live events, and now we we because of the federal trial we touched up a little bit on with with Tony Bland and Book, you know, just recently taking a plea. You know, the the reason is because of that trial. The reason why these let's make no bones about it. Right. Everybody says it. Coaches say it on never the other podcasts. People say it, you know, off record. They needed to feel like they're doing something, so they did something, but now you created something where people don't know exactly what's going on. Here, a successful high school coach who also has experience running grassroots events. Big-time grassroots events. Big-time grassroots events. He doesn't know. So how does a Joe Blow coach from high school... San Diego High School in Garden Grove, he has no idea where to play. Yeah, he doesn't know where to play. He he maybe want to do a little event for smaller coaches, and obviously this is for for D1 programs. It's going to affect, I think... If I'm mistaken, NAI or D2 can still go operate as yes, they as right. they as they, as they are, right? So that's a very big, important thing because this, as we we talked a little bit about on this show, this is big, big time business. High school basketball is big time business. Cancer research classes in Wheeling, beach balls in South Carolina. These guys are traveling like a college team would right. have years ago, right? So you know they want to know and prepare. So Grant Rice is going to have an event in Vegas, and you know that first weekend, and he has no idea so when you times that by 50 meaning 50 different state associations and how many events in all of those states i mean california alone i can think of yeah how many schools that would be or that do events already or be interested in doing events i mean the the number is countless countless we know you know fairfax has their summer tournament Gary right. mcknight at modern day has his summer he does tournament. one yep others do one there yeah. could be a smaller scale but bosco has a fall league i mean excuse me bosco has a summer league yeah, so well, what dates are they going to fall on? You know, where coach is going to be? We've had coaches talk to us about how frustrating it is, meaning college coaches. Yeah. You know, am I going to be spending more time in a car, zooming around, spending gas money? Am I going to actually be evaluating a prospect? 
Or am I just going to choose one guy who I'm going to babysit and stay at that event? I think it's right. I think it's going to turn into a, it's going to turn into what some college coaches have to deal with during, during the winter. Sure. Like, uh, I'll leave the name out of it, but, uh, an assistant coach within the big West conference, uh, out here and on the West coast, um, in one day, in one day, he drove from where he lives three hours away to Palm Springs to watch a prospect. Okay. Then he drove from Palm Springs that same day back towards where he lived an hour to Damien for the okay. classic of Damien, watch a prospect, Damien. got okay. there at like seven o'clock, okay. watched that one game, had to go back for practice. I mean, that's kind of what it's going to turn into. You're going to go watch one guy three hours away, then you're going to be driving two more hours away to watch another guy. And hopefully have enough time to go watch someone else, you know, three hours away. That's what it's going to turn into. Got you. And that's not, not not conductive for players. The bottom line is the high level players, the James Wiseman's, the Evan Mobley's. They're not going to. It's not going to affect them. Yeah, there'll be no it's, impact on them. It's going to affect the guys who are borderline D one players, the guys who need another look, the guys that we try to get out there. That we try to say right. their names out right. there. Well, like on a guy this podcast and in other places on our websites and in in, in the gyms. A guy like Zaire Williams. I mean, he played with BTI, uh, independent club program, yeah. played at Sherman Oaks, Notre Dame, not a powerhouse high school program. Sure. Um, but he used last summer to kind of raise his stock and blow up. Now he's got offers from, you know, North Carolina. He's getting looks from, you know, Arizona. Any high major school you can imagine has Zaire Williams on their radar. Does a guy like Zaire Williams blow up as much as he did this past summer with these new rules? I don't know. I mean, he's probably right. good enough of a player to do so, but, it's but a guy like that. Yeah, it's a little borderline, and I feel we feel bad for the guys who are not at that level. Yeah. The, you know, D, high D2, low D1, and then we got another huge problem that I touched about on an article in BallsLife.com recently. Um, if your high school's not NFHS full member and you're an associate member, or you you play on an independent team, you're not live in that to June weekend. You can't play in it. You can't Straight play up. in it. You can't play in it. You can't. You're not allowed. You're not allowed. <laughs> so it's like, whoa, where did we get this? That's a lot of prospects. We're, Coach Rice just talked about that's La Lamere. Yep. That's Oak Hill. That's Paul the Six in Fairfax, another nationally ranked team. There's other teams. I mean, we can go all there's on gonna be and on. T- I mean, there's yeah, going to be North Carolina uh, private schools. All North Carolina private schools. Great talent. They've, they've traditionally had teams in the Fat 50. They are not a part of this equation. So is that even legal and fair for people? So there's a lot of pro- problems and questions we have. You know, we're obviously going to keep our, our uh, listeners up to date on it. And it's just something we wanted to bring to the limelight a little bit. And I'm glad Grant touched on it, that he didn't know nothing. And he's it's already January because it's going to be the sub. We're going to go deep into it on our next uh Top, our next podcast, uh, yeah, podcast next episode, episode seven, episode seven. So we kind of wanted to bring that to light. So it's very interesting how that is playing out. And uh, you know, Jeff Borzello of ESPN and Evan Daniels of Two Four Seven Sports kind of mentioned it. So now there's more and more media people talking about it. And I guess the the next thing would be is is there going to be any changes between now and June? I mean, Evan Daniels basically came out and said they needed to scrap the whole thing and go back to what it was. And sure. I, I agree with him. Sure. So. That's what we're going to get into, folks, in our in our next episode. But we, before we go, Ronnie, I mean, before we go, yeah. let's let's give a little dive into what we saw in Southern California high school basketball this weekend, uh, this past weekend, excuse me, at the Frozen Tundra, Redondo Union High School, um, one of the coldest gyms in my time 
watching high school basketball. But the Take Flight Challenge was there, hosted uh, in conjunction by Redondo Union, Culver City High School. Um, two fantastic programs with with great coaches. Ronnie, give me a couple give me a couple standouts of guys you saw. Um, obviously, you can put in names that everyone knows, or you can give us you know some guys that people might not know. Um, I look at Sheldon. Sheldon's been a team that's traveled. Right. They went to the semifinals of the Tarkanian, and they, they come back, and they played Rainier Beach on Thursday. Again, we talk about national big-time ball. Rainier Beach comes down from Seattle, great program. They played at Sheldon on that Thursday. They took Friday off, and they played Bishop Montgomery on Saturday night, beat them in the last game of the night. And, you know, Marcus Bagley's coming on as a 2020. They yeah, got younger some, brother of, of Marvin Bagley III at yeah. the Sacramento Kings. And you know he's a good shooter as, and he's coming along as a player. I really, I really like him. Um, you know, I, I like other guys that Sheldon has. I like Xavier and Xavion Brown. There's two yep. two bro, two guys who are not brothers. Xavier, Xavion. and Xavion. <laughs> Xavier had a big game. He had 17 points, and Xavion's a 2020 who has a lot of a, ability, and we hope to see him in the spring and summer circuit and hopefully he has a, a, a good showing in this new yeah he new, had, he had like rules. 14 rebounds against against Bishop Montgomery at, from the guard position which is obviously something you know difficult to do from a as a 6-2 point guard basically and he's super explosive he's he doesn't always score but sometimes he can do other things and he's he's a guy coming on he's learning the game because he has all the tools Devin it's just no, for sure. putting them together yeah yeah a couple a couple guys I want to touch on uh, we spoke about Zaire Williams um you know his his rise in the recruiting atmosphere, but he uh, he had twenty five and eleven in the first half. Yeah, uh, like the first twelve minutes. First of the twelve game. minutes of the game in right. a win over Liberty from Henderson, Nevada. Uh, he finished with thirty three points, fifteen rebounds, five assists, four blocks. I mean, now we're just getting into more and more impressive statistics. Yeah. Um, Johnny Juzang played his second game back Correct. from. Uh, I'm not sure what it was. First an injury, then the some kind of skin. Injury? Yeah, ankle injury, then some kind of. Skin, skin infection, infection problem, and you know that was tough on him, obviously. But um, they beat Sherman Oaks Notre Dame Friday, and then he scored what twenty six points against Mayfair on Saturday, the Take Flight Challenge, um, and they beat uh, Mayfair pretty easily. Beat him seventy one forty five. Real, real easy win. Jared Lucas had forty two in a win over Losinger. He was thirteen of twenty two from the field. He's going to Oregon State. Um, Julian Strother, a guy from. Nevada, who you've seen at length, he's obviously a super skilled and smooth and talented scorer. Um, what were your thoughts on on Strother's performance? I like Strother. I like the different things he brings yeah. to the to the table. Doesn't force a lot of things. I, I notice sometimes people get caught up in the one one on one, and their coach scheduled uh, very aggressively this year. We we talked about that's been a recurring theme on this on this episode. Uh, they went back to the slam dunk to the beach. They kind of took a beating back there a little bit. Probably, good, probably good for them, though. Yeah. It might have been good for their overall team, and it was a great experience for them. They got to play the Gonzaga team that, that Bishop Gorman lost to in, in West Virginia, and they, they lost pretty handily. And they come back and play in this thing, and, and you know I like what Julian Strother can do. And that team is going to learn, and that's going to help their team get better. And obviously, by having a player that's Strother, that gives the other players on the team good experiences and good opportunities. And... and He's not a player. We see sometimes Devin on the players. Sometimes the players that are not on a great team, they kind of play, overshadow their team. Yeah. And then you get high, highlights or you get, you know, things on Twitter and, and Instagram where it, it shows the player 
you know, scoring getting, and all that. Getting and buckets. Getting and they buckets. lost, they lost and by they 27. Lost, <laughs> and, they lost, and they lost. Yeah. So I like what Strother brings to the game. Um, you know, he reminds me a little bit. And I'm not going to say he's at this level. I, I think he does little things that Antoine Walker did at, at University of Kentucky. When you look at him, he's not a physical specimen. Wow, right. he's ripped, ripped, ripped not, in the shoulder. Not a super explosive athlete. Okay. Correct. Good enough. Good enough. And he, G- good at good athlete. Not like yeah. Not like Jalen Green or some Correct. of these other guys. That's what I'm getting yeah. at, and that's what I I like what he brings to the table. So that'll be a good ceiling for him to shoot to play play like a player of that level. And um, he's just another one of those 2020s that we talk about that yeah. is, that is just terrific on the West Coast. Right. So you know it was a it was a good event, and there's going to be some good events coming up. Coach Rice talked up about it that weekend, yep. uh, MLK weekend in right. a couple weeks. Events all over the country, highlighted by the Hoopal Classic in in Massachusetts, Springfield, Massachusetts, home of the Hall of Fame, and uh, you know we're getting into the stretch run here of high school before the playoffs start. Yeah, and you know a couple of local events for Southern California listeners: the Orange Lutheran Hoop Fest will be the MLK weekend on the twenty first. A lot of good games there, so if if you want to come out and see some good high school basketball, um, that's where I'll probably be on the on the twenty first over at Olu, and then the Nike Extravaganza. Following week. Following weekend, Friday, Friday, Saturday. State Preview Classic. Yep, State Preview Classic at Rios College. That has a lot of good SoCal teams. You can see Wasatch Academy, number seven in the Fab 50, will be at that event against Fairfax, I believe, in the the main draw there. That's if Fairfax is playing. If Fairfax is playing. We're not going to get back into that one. No, that's if Fairfax is playing on the 19th. That could be off the table. So Wasatch may have to do some rescheduling and... And good for them. They're independent. Yeah. Under, so, you know, they also play on the 21st at the West Coast Elite MLK Showcase in, in Vegas, Nevada, yep. which is opposite of the Orange Lou event and, and some other good events. Then MLK Mondays become a great day for right. high school hoops. And we'll, we'll talk a little bit more in future episodes about that MLK. Monday. Yeah. So, I mean, the, the point is, wherever you are, wherever you live, there's really good high school basketball within, you know, an hour or so drive, whatever. If you're in Southern California. Probably a little longer because of the traffic, but um, that'll do it for episode six of Ballers Life's In the Paint podcast with Devin Newland and Ronnie Flores. Uh, be on the lookout for our next episode, episode seven, and we're gonna touch. I mean, we're gonna go hard in the paint on this uh, these new high school NCAA recruiting calendar rules and how it all works and who knows what. Um, so we appreciate you listening. Uh, if you have some time, like and subscribe to our podcast on iTunes. Thanks again.